Police One Academy is leading the way in high-quality, affordable training for officers nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 1,000 HD videos and 175 full-length courses in a robust learning management system. Training is certified or accepted for training credit in 35 states. Join the industry's most officer-friendly learning platform with more than 60,000 subscribers. To schedule a free demo, go to policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hi, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, you know, we're in December, we're approaching the end of the year, um, and fast approaching January 20th. That, of course, is Inauguration Day for one Donald J. Trump. We will soon be saying President Trump. President-elect Trump uh, now is choosing various members of his cabinet. He's having meetings with a host of people. He's making calls to foreign leaders. Um, on the day after the election, I, <laughs> it was an unexpected result, uh, I have to say. Uh, I wrote an article about five things that um, law enforcement officers can expect from a President Trump. Um, one, greater support for law enforcement. I mean, just since his election, he's made phone calls to the families of fallen officers who, who were killed in the line of duty. Mm. I think that that's a leading indicator of where we're going. Um, you know, when Obama famously had to have a, quote, beer summit to uh, patch up, you know, a problem he created, um, that was only a couple of months into his presidency. And it really set the tone for the way the White House dealt with law enforcement. And I think that that will change under President Trump. Um, there'll be more funding and support for immigration enforcement. Um, you know, the notion that um, they're going to build a wall, we can debate all day. You know, the wall may turn into a fence and some drones, mm -hmm. but um, there's an obvious budgetary um, opportunity for a Trump administration to pour more money into um, ICE, uh, into border protection, um, border patrol, um, and, and to begin to do some work to deliver on that promise without even having, quote, built the wall. Um, the other thing that I felt would happen and did um, and is happening is that Trump, Trump protesters uh, will hit the streets early and often. And that, um, you know, we've seen destruction of property. Um, we've seen cops have to um, protect people's First Amendment rights, um, you know, to voice their 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 concerns, their their their, their issues, uh, but at the same time protect the property of people who uh, own shops in those neighborhoods where the protests are happening. Um, I think there'll be a shift in the fight against radical Islamist terrorists. Um, you know, he had said during the campaign he would quote knock the hell out of ISIS. He has provided almost no details on how he will do that, but I have a feeling that that's a campaign promise he's going to somehow find a way to deliver on. Um, and it won't take much, uh, really, to make a change, because we're not doing a whole hell of a lot in Syria and Iraq right now anyway. Um, and I think, finally, we're going to see not only Antonin Scalia's seat, uh, which is vacant now since the summer, being filled with one of the 11 uh, on the list of his potential selectees for the Supreme Court, but you know we have to bear in mind that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 83 and uh, Stephen Breyer is 78, and, and you know they're advancing years um, there could be another or, or maybe even two uh, seats open on the court. Um, and one would imagine that he will um, select appointees uh, that are uh, that are in the conservative realm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you're you're right on with the 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 campaign promises and 
and some of the rhetoric that we heard from from uh, President-elect Trump that he would support law enforcement. Um, he said some things like uh, uh, in the debates, law and order was his solution. Uh, he talked about openly he talked about stop and frisk. Um, I think, you know, as I've said before, I think stop and frisk is is a wince inducing uh, title for for what law officers know is to be to be as um, Terry versus Ohio. Mm-hmm. That is the, the Supreme Court ruling that said um, that the officer uh, McFadden in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, um, had uh, an articulable reason to stop these individuals and search and find the weapons. Mm-hmm. And I think most police officers will tell you that. You can't stop and frisk people on the street. It's it's a violation of the Constitution. It's the Fourth Amendment. You can't walk up to someone and search them arbitrarily. You've got to have some articulation. Uh, their mannerisms, their... Uh, what the, the the situation the situation and what they're doing and how they're reacting uh, uh, related to their environment. So if you can say all those things, you do your search, you find some contraband or weapons, it'll hold up in court. Uh, stop and frisk. I think um, the the initial um, impetus was good, but then I think it it devolved into. Almost a, um, you know, by the accounts that I've read and, and heard, um, uh, that, that it, it became a, a quota system to stop so many people a day. Um, well, no quota system is good. No quota system no, is no good. No quota system is good. And then you, ha- you have other influences like Comstat that put the cops on the dots, if you will. So if you have a concentrated area um, where crime is happening, where robberies are happening, where weapons offenses are happening, and you... T- point the cops in that direction, I think the results were going to be inevitable. So I, I think if we go back to the Terry versus Ohio criteria, train to it mm-hmm. and and teach officers how to articulate it, I think we would be okay. Uh, I, I think one of the other um, the immediate impacts um, that we've heard is that sanctuary cities would lose funding. And a sanctuary city is a city that chooses... Um, to shield um, undocumented immigrants um, from federal um, implications. And and we've been a sanctuary city in San Francisco. I think there's a, a dozen or so across the United States. There's another 300 that have some, um, some of the uh, different facets of a sanctuary city. But, it, but by and large, uh, the idea behind a sanctuary city is to encourage people to report uh, crime to uh, law enforcement uh, with without, the, without repercussion. Yeah, with the, with the knowledge and ability to say that they will not be their immigration status will not be held against them. Different than Arizona, where uh, Maricopa County Sheriff Arapaio um, had a lot of success with this very stringent immigration policy, but he just got uh, lost his election. He was, he was, I believe, on his 14th term. Yeah. So it worked for a lot of people for a, lo- a long time. But when you look at the, the possible impacts on sanctuary cities in San Francisco with a $9.6 billion, with a B, billion-dollar budget, uh, nearly $1 billion, uh, one billion dollars of federal funding is tied into or related to, as I've read, 
to being a sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Uh, do we lose 12 to 14 percent of our total city budget funding if if we don't change our sanctuary city policy? I think that's a real possibility. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's a very real possibility. And, you know, I think that the, one of the things that also we need to consider it didn't make it into my article because at the time I felt it to be a little speculative. But now the more I think about it, the more I think it, it's probable, not just possible, that, um, you know, the executive order, you know, he's, he said he's going to roll back all these executive orders that have been uh, laid out by President Obama. And, um, you know, the one that comes to mind is Executive Order 13688, the one that governed the 1033 program. Right. You know, um, there are a lot of agencies that were benefited by getting military surplus equipment, 50 cals, you know, a whole host of, uh, you know, even helicopters and all kinds of stuff. Sure. Um, And now there's this prohibited list and there's this regulated list and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's all very confusing and agencies have had to actually return stuff to the federal government. And I I wonder whether or not that that's going to be reversed and agencies might get access to that gearing. I hope it is reversed. I wrote an article about uh, the 1033 program and some of the criticism, some um, city uh, managers, uh, as you said, returning everything. And um, a lot of big cities, a lot of small cities wouldn't have the capabilities, uh, marine units, helicopter units, uh, uh, armored vehicles, and not tanks. I, I, I think we're our worst <laughs> enemy when, without a publicist uh, to go out there and say there is not, as far as I know, there is not one tank issued to a municipality, to an agency with a 40 millimeter cannon or, or whatever a tank has mm-hmm. on the front of it. And, um, and to talk about um, the, the instances where those armed ve- armored vehicles saved lives, they're rescue vehicles. Yeah, they are. They're, they're big steel boxes to get people in and out of hot zones. Right. And, you know, yeah, to, to your point, there's no tracked vehicles out there that I'm aware of. Um, there may be tracked vehicles that are used for um, firefighting. There's plenty of them. There's mm-hmm. bulldozers and all kinds of tracked yeah. vehicles that are used for uh, for um, forest, forest fires and things like that. But as far as I know, um, there is no Abrams tank in the inventory of any law enforcement agency. Here, here. Um, but, you know, I, you know, the other, you know, a couple of things that we, I think, want to think about in terms of, you know, what Donald Trump will mean for law enforcement. Um, you know, first off and foremost, you know, that he has been so vocal in the campaign. He's gone out of his way to shake the hands of every cop on the motor uh, motor patrol that escorted him uh, at the airplane. He's taken photographs with these cops. Um, he's gone out of his way to align himself with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be the most stark contrast. Because in the White House today, you don't have that feeling of almost universal support for law enforcement, for the beat cops, for the guys on the street, guys and gals on the street. Um, you know, yeah, there'll be some sort of um, flourish, you know, statement, some you know, big, wonderful statement from the uh, White House once every couple of years about, you know, we should respect our officers. But I think you're going to see it on an almost daily basis. I mean, he's set the tone with calling the families of fallen officers before he's even taken office. Sure. And and I think I think from the left, you hear uh, a lot of fear that that is signaling uh, empowering uh, law enforcement to continue what what critics have been against. But I don't I don't think that's no, true. No, I don't think that's true. I think that the reform talk will continue. I think we're going to tweak policies and procedures. I, I hopefully uh, 
police officers get uh, new tactics, new, less lethal uh, options to use in situations where, uh, like I said before, they go from a baton to a gun and nothing in between. And there's a lot of technology out there. I believe there's an answer in the tactics. I do believe in the sanctity of life, and I believe law enforcement officers believe in the sanctity of life, but I believe that everybody raises their right hand, takes the oath to protect and serve, and they don't take the oath to uh, expose themselves to dangers to someone in, in hopes of uh, a safe resolution for someone who's in possession of a weapon, who's already used violence, and and who's not willing to go along with the program. I don't believe anybody's uh, taken that oath that they're going to risk their own lives to take someone who has little regard for their own. Yeah, well, and as I've said and written multiple times, you can't, quote, coexist with someone who's trying to kill you. Um, you know, when someone is trying to harm you or do great bodily harm or, or kill you, that's not a coexist moment. That is a fight moment a f- or fight or flight moment. Right, right. Um, and that, that that's not just human nature but that's just that's that's just right you know you are not al- you are not allowed to expose yourself to potential death on behalf of someone who's trying to kill you and right. that's just me talking but um yeah well it's for me you know as we approach january 20th um a lot of this is just so unknown and i think that's where I think people who are protesting, people who are who are vehemently and violently against Trump, um, they're grappling with the unknown. Uh, they're they don't know what to expect from from Donald Trump as president. And frankly, you know, I laid out these five six things just now, and I think we can't expect those things. I think that those things are more than probable. They're they're pretty damn likely. Um, but you know, the, the the guy voted as a Democrat for the larger part of his his um, adult life, and so he's he's a mercurial guy, and we just don't like with regard to how he quote will knock the hell out of ISIS. He hasn't told anybody his plan, yeah. You know, and we don't know if he has a plan. Um, so it's for me, it's let's it's the unknown, it's the unexpected that I think that people are in in fear of. Right, and we we heard what the the campaign rhetoric was, and we heard the. The hard line approach to things like Obamacare, but but we know that uh, President Obama said after their initial meeting that he didn't believe that um, Mr. Trump was an idealist; that he believed he was a pragmatist, and I think we've seen that with some of the things that he's backed off with uh, Obamacare. He can't put 20 million people uh, out on the street with no health care at all. I think um, now that he's getting the details. Uh, you're right. There's a mystery. There's an unknown. But I think he, he is being pragmatic. I think he's being a realist. As I've often said, we shall soon see what we shall see. <laughs>